Welcome to Every Damn Day. I'm Brett Davey, and I will be joined shortly by my ever-charming co-host, Kevin Broccoli, where we will discuss one day of the week from the previous week each, discuss what happened for five minutes, and then move on until we get to Free For All Saturday, where we talk about whatever we damn well please. All right, off we go with Sunday, and Sunday was a convergence of some of the worst things imaginable. Uh, it was a Smash Mouth concert at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. Staggering, they were expecting 250,000 people over 10 days. So when you talk about a super spreader event, this was it. So, of course, hardly anyone was wearing any masks in the audience because freedom! Um, but the part that a couple things that cracked me up, one is the lead singer of Smash Mouth, who is named Steve Harwell, which I'm sure you knew. Uh, I did know he, that. Yes. He, <laughs> no, uh, <I> didn't. <laughs> he said something to the audience that reminded me of an old joke by Mitch Hedberg. He is it said, Six uh, Semper Tyrannus? Or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, he said, we're all here together again now and we're being human once again. So that was the quote from uh, the lead singer of Smash Mouth. And it reminded me of the old uh, Mitch Hedberg joke where he said, I went to a heavy metal concert and the singer yelled out, how many of you feel like human beings tonight? And then he said, how many of you feel like animals? And everyone cheered after the animals part, but I cheered after the human beings part because yeah. I did not know there was a second part of the question. <laughs> so that was like, it just reminded me of the old Mitch Hedberg joke. So, and then the lead singer of Smash Mouth said, Fuck that COVID shit. And the last thing is they were playing in a place called the Buffalo Chip. So it was just kind of a convergence oh, wow. of all the the, pers- the worst things. First, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. And then second, is there on any which artist? Part, there's nine million things wrong <laughs> with what you just described. Just the overall just horribleness Oof. of it. But also the um, I'd like to get your thought on just the overall thing. But then is there any artist living or dead that you would go see in a crowded venue without a mask? If you could resurrect someone right now, I don't even need to. Well, I would need to resurrect their career, but I don't need to resurrect them. Tina Turner, hundred percent. And you would go at this. Okay. I would go. Okay. So living Tina Turner, even though she doesn't, she's retired dead. And I think everybody would agree with this. uh, Prince. 100% Prince. You know, but here's the thing. Everyone that died in 2016, Prince, David Bowie. You wouldn't (laughs) go to a David Bowie concert right now, no mask. Uh, And it's funny because I, uh, our friend Melissa, the artist, I shared a picture today of the, um, they were salt and pepper shakers shaped like Bowie and Jagger from the Dancing in the Streets video. Yeah. And I was at the original Live Aid and they premiered that video uh, during the concert. They showed the like, they, the, I don't know, it's strange. Back then you'd be like, here's a premiere of a music video while you're in a stadium with 75,000 people. And I just remember there were a lot of people just kind of looking at each other like, are they going to swap tongues? Like, what is going oh, on God, with, this, uh, with this music video? So I was going to say Prince, but were too. were people if I was into re- it or were they weirded out by it? <laughs> well, keep in mind, this was like 85 or something. So people, I don't think, were as advanced socially as they are right now. Because the only so, reason um, I ask is because that's one of those moments that as a gay guy, I'm sure I should be like, ooh. But I was like, ew, no, ew, get away from each other. <laughs> Like, I was like, ugh. I'm like, that's ugh, gross. Like, I was not into that. I remember seeing that video and being like, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want any part of it. 
Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to think how could this that Smash Mouth concert at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally? Listen, in South if you Dakota, think about it, how could it have been a, any worse? If you're in a shitty band, this is your moment. If you're in a shitty band and you don't care about your health or the health of others, you have a golden opportunity in front of you. Like it, it, because th- you're the only you have cornered the market. You know, there's people out there stupid enough to want to see live music right now um, who are willing to risk their lives for it. And they will go see just about anything. So, I mean, I guess if you're Smash Mouth or the difference between Smash Mouth and Chain Chainsmokers is I would bone a chain smoker, uh, not like a real life chain smoker, but like someone in the band. Um, although the best joke I've ever heard is you could tell me any two guys are the chain smokers and I would believe you. Um, <laughs> I would have no idea what those guys no idea. Like. You could show me a picture again. of the Bee Gees, yeah. and I'd be like, "I'm disappointed." Yeah. You know, I'm I'm disappointed in Smash Mouth as a band that was popular when I was younger. Like, I'm disappointed in them um, that they would that they would do this. I think we should start taking bets on who the third dumbass uh, has been or stupid band that's going to try this is going to be or performer. Vanilla well, Ice is doing a concert in Texas. Did you know that? Well, he was going to, and I think it got canceled. Oh. Um, but it seems like kind of like the one hit wonder. Did Smash Mouth have a second hit? I think they had, they had two hits. Was... They had Walking on the Sun and then they had oh. All Star. And then they and never I had another. This, one of the funniest movies of the last 10 years to me is the movie Rat Race. Oh, every, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cult classic. I love that movie. And the last scene features. Uh, oh, yeah, they're Smash all Mouth, All Star. Funny, funny story. I was just talking to a friend about Rat Race because I went to see Rat Race with a bunch of my high school friends because we were trying to see American Pie and they put the movie theater, put security guards in front of (laughs) the theater going into American Pie to stop teenagers from sneaking into it. So we had to go see Rat Race, which he had bought tickets to. And it was actually very enjoyable. But all I could think is imagine barring the door, imagine barring the door to American Pie so that teenagers couldn't go see. I mean, that movie would get a G rating today. Like they're like, all he did was stick his dick in a pie, like, and they barred the door. I remember my telling my mom, like, what do you mean I can't go see it? It's literally about people my age, allegedly. Like, what are you talking? It, it's so bizarre. Anyway, we can't get into that. But speaking of music, I wanted to talk about what I consider to be the song of the summer. Um, people keep pronouncing it WAP, which as an Italian, I have a huge problem with. Um, <laughs> it's not WAP. I know Cardi B says it as WAP, but it's it should be WAP. And... Uh, uh, stands for some wet ass lady genitalia. Um, if I'm if I'm saying it the way Brett Shapiro does. Um, and uh, Wait, hold on, it's Ben. It's Ben Shapiro. Don't whatever the fuck his name. Oh well, because you're Brett. Yeah, sorry. He's well, he's a dipshit either way. You know what's crazy? For the longest time, I kept thinking that he and Ben Rhodes were the same person, the Obama, the brilliant Obama foreign policy advisor. And I was oh like, Jesus, God. what hell happened to Ben Rhodes? And then I was like, oh, no, like I get white straight guys confused all the time. It's just impossible <laughs> to keep them straight. But um, but yeah, Song of the Summer, WAP, Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion came out. Um, people were there were so many different emotions, reactions. Um, the old conservatives are just mad that the song exists. And the young people are mad that Kylie Jenner is in the music video. Um, people wanted Viola Davis in the music video. In fact, somebody did a drawing of what she would look like in the music video. She then retweeted that with how to get away with WAP, um, which I think is why I will stand her forever. 
Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know when I was, you know, I had people my age being like, ooh, this song is gross. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. We had Get Low. We had Get Low. We had, you know, My Neck, My Back. Um, do you feel like there were songs when you were younger that were like dirty or like really like risque that maybe people have forgotten about? That's a good question. I hadn't considered that. When I think back to when I was young, I mean, it probably was the first era where you didn't have to just be, you know, kind of like coy about, you know, because if you go back forever in rock and roll history, you know, there were always songs about sex, but they would, you know, Chuck Berry was classic. My dingling. Making yeah. it about a car, you know, so um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's nothing that dirty. I will say that. But I will say watching the video, though, um, Kyle I, I'm, and I, I have like a very baseline understanding of celebrity. So there are some celebrities like Cardi B. I absolutely know who she is. I could not name one of her songs if my life depended on it. And Kylie, is it Kylie or Kyrie Jenner? She's like so Ben Kylie Jenner to me. She's the Kardashian. And then the yeah. other singer on the song is Megan. You didn't know who Megan the Stallion was, I assume. I did because she got shot, right? Yes, in the foot. Yeah, she did. She got shot in both feet. Oh, yeah. she shot in the foot. Well, I just, I, I like follow all this celebrity garbage and I don't even know who the celebrities are. Years ago, I was watching a band called Pomplamoose. They were famous for doing like cover songs and they did a, a cover version of Single Ladies. And I was watching it and I just thought it was so delightful. So, so I showed my then wife, I said, listen to this, isn't this great? And she, because she knew me, she said, you have no idea who originally sang this song. And I was like, oh, this isn't their original. And so she <laughs> said, no, Beyonce sang it. So, and then she divorced YouTube. you. That was why she's the Beyonce, your then wife. <laughs> <laughs> the Beyonce version had like 250 million likes. And I had never heard it before. So I'm a little bit out of the loop. But I thought that Kylie Jenner was just ground the whole thing to a halt because she has no sex appeal whatsoever. Oh, well, I mean, well, and it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre like it, it. I don't know how she worked her way in. I don't know who called who. But like, yeah, it just I won't say that it ruins the video for me. I actually think it's a great music video at a time when like we don't really watch music videos anymore. So like anything that gets me to watch a music video, I think is should for whatever reason should get some acknowledgement because we, we don't really watch we don't and nobody really tries to make music videos interesting you know so i i applaud I them thought, for that I, I really liked it i thought it was i thought it was very entertaining that i would love to have been there for the filming because i just there was so I much you green screen going i on. bet you would have <laughs> loved to be there for the filming with there your was ass so out much green screen going on. i will say too for you as a <laughs> One as the doors opened and you were just standing there behind one of the doors, just like doing a <laughs> jigsaw puzzle, being like, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> no, I just think I want to say this, though, as a closet wrestling fan that you are um, at the end, near the end, when they were like in the pool or whatever, they they did like a DX like crotch uh, chop move from right. like uh, from the, the 90s. So um, but I was I, I thought it was really good. And I just the the Ben Shapiro who is this, he's like five foot nothing and he's got this really high pitched voice and him reading the lyrics and then getting crucified on Twitter. Well, really, it was the funniest, made... it was, nothing is better than inadvertent funniness. And that was right. so inadvertent. My favorite thing about that though, was somebody tweeted, I think he's just freaked out because he didn't know they get wet. Um, <laughs> and then, and then somebody put underneath that Ben Shapiro is the leading cause of DAP. 
uh, which oh. I just thought was br- like, and now everyone's trolling him. Somebody posted a photo of SpongeBob eating sand, being like, "This is Ben Shapiro with his wife." <laughs> like, it's just his wife is like his wife apparently is like a gynecologist, so the whole thing is even funnier. Oh God, um, cool. you know, before we move on, I just want to say really quickly that you know the the song that came to my mind about why like you know it's ridiculous of anyone who's not you know I mean it's ridiculous to get upset about music in general, especially now. But I was like, anyone who's of a certain age, like, let us not forget Prince and Raspberry Beret, you know, like, like one of the greatest sort of like nasty songs of all time and really anything that Prince did. But um, yeah, I would like I, I mean, the name of the song, that's why if you don't mind, I'll this transition into Tuesday works perfectly because obviously W.A.P. sounds like the name of a porno. And I want to <laughs> talk about I want to talk about the Big Ten which to me also <laughs> sounds like a porno. So I'm not a huge... One that I would watch, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, college football, they're talking about canceling some of the seasons in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I could not name one team that is in either of those conferences. But so I was reading up on it and it said there there's something that's described as the Power Five conferences, which... Uh, so wait, there's the Big Ten and the Big Power Ten Five? The power, oh yeah. They didn't, they, we didn't say like Power Top or Power Bottom, just Power Five. So, But there are a total of 65 college football teams in what they call the Power Five and that they would collectively lose more than $4 billion in revenue if college football is canceled. So the reason that I care about this, a couple of reasons. One is... I get so aggravated when college football, basketball players primarily, you know, they're, they're making billions of dollars for their colleges and people say, well, oh, they get free tuition. And I'm like, up yours, they're generating, in this case, $4 billion for these five conferences. And they're getting tuition worth what, you know, $175,000 right. a year. So I hate that argument. The other thing was, it's just odd that people like, you know, Trump are fighting harder to make sure there's a college football season than they fought to make sure there was not a COVID-19 outbreak. So I was uh, I saw that Lou Holtz, who was the old Notre Dame coach, he was on Fox News, of course. And he said this is the quote from me, he said that, well, they stormed Normandy and they knew there were going to be casualties. There were going to be risks. So he's comparing college he's comparing football college season to Normandy. To storming the beaches of Normandy. And I'm like, these clowns will go to no end to have like dumb things like college football. Well, here's why they're really freaking out. Because part of the argument about ignoring COVID or whatever, pushing ahead, is that a lot of these conservatives really, truly in their bones believe not only in Darwinism, but that they would do well with Darwinism, which is the funniest part. Um, and so now you have college football, you have like strength and masculinity and, you know, beating up your girlfriend. Um, and so they think that like, well, none of these people technically should be a problem. Like the whole nature of football is strength and it's, you know, survive. Like, so it's just these, all these things are clashing for them because, uh, you know, they, this is what they think. They think that like, if you're strong enough, this isn't going to be a problem for you. And these are all strong people. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, I'm very conflicted about, you know, well, should we pay college football players? I mean, it's a, probably a topic for another day, um, but I'm very conflicted about it because as the arts guy, I'm like, I get that no theater program has ever made a college billions of dollars, but I'm also like, we got to figure out just how to stop that. Like, it's just not something, college sports is not something that should, that colleges should be profiting off of to that degree. 
it just seems gross and weird and strange to me. I just wonder, you know, you wonder sometimes if there's that much money in that, how much money they make off the actual like education piece of of what's going on. Well, what we're what we're learning now, I think we talked about this before, but what we're learning now is that like college, like college is a scam. We knew that. OK, college is a giant, <laughs> college in general is a scam. Um, and we learned that all those fees that we always knew were scams, you know, the move in fee, the, uh, you know, all these kinds of fees, those are scams. And now, you know, we're probably getting to a point where they're going to have to admit that they've budgeted a lot based on having college football, which they really shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they really should like whatever that money is should be going into the athletics program. Um, probably to pay some coach a ridiculous amount of money, you know. Um, but it, it just seems to me like college in general, I, we're not talking about it this way, but I think what we're experiencing in this country is that all these institutions that are scams are being revealed to be scams. And I think part of why they're so eager to pretend nothing is wrong is because basically all of America is now getting a look at their books and they're kind of yeah. like, um, none of this adds up. You know, it just nothing adds up. I just feel like if there's money to be made there, I'd rather see it go to the players. Like you think about like Zion Williamson played one year at Duke college basketball and he generated so much money for that program and he didn't see any of it. So, but you know, like know, that's just... my thing. Like, how can we like I, I the story that everybody loves to tell is like, oh, the college player who couldn't afford to buy the jersey with his name on it. And my thought is we shouldn't have jerseys with college players name on it. That's. That is, first of all, we deify athletes too much in this country to begin with. But second of all, we certainly shouldn't be doing that to college students. That's a terrible idea. You know, like yeah. there shouldn't there shouldn't be merchandise with college players' face on the or, or names on them. That's ridiculous. It's totally right, so ridiculous. About, so talking about merchandise. So that'll lead us into Wednesday and the announcement of Kamala Harris as Biden's VP pick. Yes. And the question, the question. Everyone's would, mad. <laughs> everyone's mad and would you ever wear or have you ever worn a piece of clothing that had a politician's name on it um i would with chris murphy senator from connecticut and i think that's about it hmm. um just because of his gun stance uh that and oh he's a very um lovely polish boy um I, he's the <laughs> kind you bring home he's the he is the guy you bring home like uh, just very quickly, uh, there when they were trying to, you know, destroy the um, the health o Obamacare, um, he had everyone had been up all night and he had scruff on his face and he went on Maddo and he had like didn't have the tie. He had the shirt unbuttoned with like the blazer and like scruff. And I was like, oh, my God, um, <laughs> Chris Murphy. But uh, no, I don't believe in, you know, here's the thing. Um, everybody in this country, it seems, would really love uh, politicians who um they uh, who are good people, you know, who have great moral compass and like, you know, no, and it's just insane to me that we're, that's where we still are. It's insane to me that people who call themselves liberals and progressives still don't understand that part of why we lost 2016 was because they wanted Mother Teresa in the fucking White House. And let's be honest, Mother Teresa was a huge fucking problem as well. So it's just bizarre to me. You know, Kamala Harris got nominated. Listen, I hate the fact that I have to vote for Joe Biden. I I, I am livid about that. Um, do not want to have to vote for Joe Biden. Will be voting for Joe Biden. Joe Biden could have picked the Hamburglar as his running mate, and I would have been like, can't be worse. I mean, literally, like literally, their their campaign slogan should be "Can't be worse 2020." Um, 
we all knew we were getting Kamala Harris. It really wasn't that big of a surprise. You know, she, Susan Rice maybe was the closest, but like after her, you know, they were talking about the, I mean, I saw people saying, what about Stacey Abrams? Guys, Stacey Abrams lost a governor's race. Did she lose it fairly? Probably not. Brian Kemp probably, you know, stole the votes and did all that. But that being said, that means she has never held office. Joe Biden is a thousand years old. We can't have Stacey Abrams as the VP to Joe Biden. He could go at any minute. You know, it was just bizarre, the argument. What about Keisha Lance Bottoms? I mean, she's in Atlanta. She's in a mayor of Atlanta. We're talking about the presidency of the United States. Like, this just doesn't, like, people were just not making any sense. Um, I love, yeah, I some love, of, yeah. Some of those would have been sort of like the Sarah Palin home run swing if you were desperate. And I don't think yeah. you needed to make any I mean, of those. Tammy Duckworth, Tammy Duckworth, I'm a huge fan of Tammy Duckworth. I don't know how you could ever campaign against someone who is a veteran, who has sacrificed as much for the country as she has. Um, but, you know, the thing about Kamala Harris is I think they want a pit bull. They want someone who is going to rip, you know, Pence and Trump's throat out and, and, and like, you know, put it on the fire and cook it up and serve it to like the, the toddlers. Like, I, I think that's what they're looking for. And that's what they're going to get with her. You know, she is yeah. a fierce, fierce competitor. Now, I'm a little concerned that, it, in my opinion, the media on the liberal side is just sort of treating this like a coronation and they're not kind of, you know, doing their due diligence to bring up some of the issues that she had as a prosecutor. And I think it's doing her a disservice because I think she needs to speak on that. I think, I think one of the reasons her presidential campaign fell apart isn't because of all that. It's because she wasn't ever asked about it. Really. She wasn't given a good opportunity on a granular level to address all of those issues. Um, so I really hope that she gets the chance. But that being said, you know, all of this thing of this is going to alienate progressives. Guys, I don't know how to tell you this. You fucking progressives don't come out and vote. So that's why nobody gives a fuck who you like on the ticket, because you don't show up. You don't come out and vote. I mean, I would identify myself at this point as more of a progressive, but y'all just don't come out and vote. So what they had to do was find a woman who is not a white woman. They had to put her on the ticket and they had to make sure that white scared people in Minnesota got a kick out of her. OK, so they went out and they essentially got a cop. They got a cop to run in that position. And if See, you I'll want, tell you, yeah, let me let me just say something. So I I personally that the Kamala is a cop thing. I get it. And I've gone back and read all the stuff. And and some of it's way more complicated than people make it. And also, you know, uh, when she was elected attorney general in California, like she barely won. She won by like one percent. So, you know, you had to deal with what the realities were. Do I like like all of it? No, of course not. But I just get, you know, people love catchphrases, you know, just see the president. Well, but the and, thing is, she identified herself where she, to me, shot herself in the foot. Is that She identified herself that way. She called herself the top cop, you know, like she put that moniker on herself. Now, granted, she put that moniker on herself at a time when that was not a death sentence to do to yourself, you know? Um, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I would, I, 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 listen, I am one of those people who go, politicians do what you tell them to do. They do what the voters tell them to do. They do what their elected, you know, constituents tell them to do. If you don't want them to do that stuff anymore, you got to get out and lobby. You got to get out and vote. You have to get out and make sure that it is advantageous of them to support what you have to say. But if you don't do that, I mean, she got in a lot of trouble initially. She police hated her initially. Uh, she was not popular with the police at all. 
And it was very clear that if she didn't turn that around, she was either not going to get reelected or keep getting elected by these razor thin margins. So she fixed that. Okay, well, that's what she had to do to keep her. First and foremost, you need to win. You have to win. I mean, to me, though, it also the thing that drives me nuts is I've always felt that the Democratic National Committee could not find their collective assholes with a funnel. <laughs> and and they always get ascribed this mysterious power to do things like they somehow sabotage Bernie and Bernie was going to win and they somehow sabotage him. It's like people just didn't like your guy enough. Like, you know, the DNC did a couple of things, but to think that Obama pulled strings and he got Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar to endorse Biden and that's what did it. It's like, give me a break. So now they're saying that Kamala is a DNC creation. Now, maybe there was some weight to that, but I'm sure it was probably- No, it's not. It's all numbers. And it's like, guys, you don't have the numbers. You do not have the numbers. You historically have never had the numbers. And it's so frustrating. And it's so, it's understandable that it's frustrating, but it kind of is what it is, you know? And you gotta get the numbers. The only thing I would uh, correct you on when, uh, when you said about Tammy Duckworth, and that she would have kind of been like beyond reproach and there was no way they could have attacked her to go back to, um, I don't know if you remember, Max Cleland, who was a Georgia senator and he was running for reelection. And now this guy had had like, I think he had an arm and a leg blown off in combat um, at one point, um, maybe in Vietnam. He uh, All right, so he had both of his legs amputated and his right forearm at the age of 25, became a U.S. senator was running in 2002 against just the name. You could tell the guy was a douche, uh, Saxby Chambliss. Oh, that's and, right, uh, Saxby Chambliss. And, and they ran a bunch of ads that showed uh, Cleland. And in the ad was also like he would like morphed into like Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. And they criticized his votes against certain homeland security measures. So believe me, if Duckworth had been the nominee, it would have been they would have been full on attacking her as well. So. Oh, I'm sure they would have come up with something. I just think that she would have had, they would have had to dredge stuff up. I do think it's going to be hard for them to attack Kamala. And people have been making memes about this already. But, you know, the problem is that liberals think she's super, super conservative. And Trump came out and said, oh, my God, she's a radical. She's practically Bernie Sanders. And he's going to have a really, you know, he's going to have a hard time. And, and obviously, this is the wisdom in picking her. He's going to have a hard time painting her. At, he he really needed Joe Biden to pick a radical liberal. He really yeah. needed that. And Joe Biden didn't do it. Now, obviously, yes, that could be a bit dangerous in riling up the base, you know. But what it doesn't do is cost Joe Biden any of those on the fence, you know, again, scaredy cat white guys in the suburbs of Minnesota and Wisconsin. So I think I think Trump's going to have our time because it just it doesn't work. You cannot look at someone like Kamala Harris and say, wow, what a hippie. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's not there. But anyway, it was say, cl- it was clear in the first 24 hours. They didn't really know how to attack her because they were kind of like all over the place. I would like to use this though to launch into launch my go. topic for Thursday, which is that this, um, you know, since COVID hit, it's kind of meant like the death of retail politics. And I am just not a fan. I've never been a fan of a politician like slapping on like a denim shirt and or wearing like dad jeans with like a polo shirt and having to go out and 
you know, go to like the county fair or shake hands and go. I mean, people love that. The, the reason the media loves it is because they don't have to do any work. They just follow the person around and they get sound bites and they talk to a couple local yokels like, do you like this guy? Do you not like this guy? So I think the, the media is probably kind of bummed out because they don't, you know, it takes away like the easiest story in the world to do, which is follow someone around with a pack of 30 people and talk to people at a county fair. I personally I'm so happy to not have to endure that. I'm very, very happy about that. I do want to bring up, and I'll post these pictures on the page for the podcast later, the photos of, and I sent them to you for review. Yeah, oh, it was former, very disturbing. Former presidential candidates, Michelle Bachman and Rick Perry, both eating corn dogs. And I got to tell you, those pictures are the biggest turn on on the planet. Oh, my God. <laughs> eating corn dogs. So the prospect of having to see. Um, Is it worse that Rick Perry looks way more comfortable with that corn dog than Michelle Bachman does? <laughs> so you remember Michelle Bachman's husband? Do you remember? Oh, him? who could ever forget? Oh, my who God. Who could the ever forget was... the husband? Yeah, Is he, he was... out now? I don't think he, he ever out? came out, but he was the best. So, so my thing is this. So I'm glad that I don't have to watch like Donald Trump eat a corn dog or Joe Biden. Um, but I, I, I don't know. How do you feel about not having to sit through like a bunch of this fake retail politics over the next couple months? I mean, here's the thing, too. We forget this. We're, we're doing this in three months. That is nothing. That is no time at all. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know. I know right now it seems like everything's both going slowly and quickly, but you know, people keep talking about, all right, let's get a move on. And I'm like, let's get a move on. We're three months out from that. We are less than significantly less than a hundred days from this election. Um, I don't know why it feels like we're just kicking it off now. It's a weird, you know um, but yeah, I'm, I do not want to see anyone eat a corn dog. I'm just, you know, I, I have the same issues. Um, Obviously, I have my issues with Joe Biden and I have my issues with Kamala Harris, obviously. What I like about the both of them is that I think they're both pretty good at doing what I feel we had to do to beat Trump. It cannot sound like you're reading a teleprompter. You know, I think that was I, I was a diehard Hillary person, but she could never just. And then there's a whole reason for that, you know, the patriarchy and everything. But Hillary had a really hard time just talking like a human being. Um, and just sounding like she wasn't reciting a, a, you know, a speech that was written for her. And I think Biden and Harris are both very good at that. I think they're both yeah. very good at just sounding like they're just talking, you know. Um, well, the, the other thing is to Biden. I mean, I think, you know, they, they make jokes about him being in his basement, which is stupid. But but I think kind of keeping him a little bit under wraps for the next few months is probably a good idea because you've oh, seen it. Literally lock like, him in a drawer people. and never yeah. lock him in a drawer and never let him out. No, seriously. I mean, this is this. I don't know anything about sports. Obviously, we probably all know that by now. But um, like this is like just don't lose the game. You know, it's a game. It's your game to lose, dude. Just don't lose the game. You know, it's an unforced error. Just don't do it. Um, and I think what, what I hope is happening, I hope what they're planning on doing is having Biden, you know, retreat as much as possible and just let Harris work the body. You know what I mean? Just let her in there and let her do all the heart, the heavy lifting, and then just send Joe in at the last minute because you know, she is not somebody who's going to fuck up. She's not somebody who's going to fuck up. She's not going to say the wrong thing. She's not going to, she's just not that person. She's a very meticulous person. So, um, yeah, I hope that Biden just goes in the bunker. I also just don't really want to listen to him talk about anything ever or <laughs> see him 
see him grab a woman's shoulders and then tell me later that's how they did it back in the 30s. Like, I just I'm not interested in that. So please just shove him in the, you know, in the in the closet somewhere and don't let him out. Don't let him eat it and throw a corn dog in there for him every now and again. <laughs> All right. So speaking of being in the closet for Friday, ah. you wanted to talk about being out of the closet and talk about gay vacation spots. So I'm very interested yes. to hear what this is about. Um, so I, uh, I just think it's, you know, as summer as a gay man, it's so interesting. Um, uh, I had a trip to P town earlier, um, came back looking like a, like a tomato. Um, but I find, you know, I find this, it's so interesting because when I went to P town, you know, this time around the streets were littered with families with like moms, dads, kids. And it's so interesting to me because I'm like the whole point of P town is that it was, you know, in order to make it a gay hotspot, we had to pick the most inconvenient place on the planet to get to. <laughs> and so when I see families there, I'm like, what are you doing here? There are 9 million charming vacation spots on the Cape. Why do you need to come to the gay one? Like, I don't, I just don't understand. It's like bachelorette parties in the gay bar. It just makes no sense. You know, the 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 beach on P-Town, the famous beach, Boys Beach, um, is the most inconvenient location. I mean, you have an easier time getting to the South Pole. Like you, you have to, it's like a 25 minute walk to get to this section of beach. And I'm convinced the reason they did that is because it's the only way to get away from the straight people. Um, so that <laughs> that was my, like kind of half my observation on that. But I also have to say, you know, as a gay person, it's really tricky because I know so many people who you go to these, you know, as soon as Memorial Day hits, they're in P-Town every weekend, or if they're closer to New York, maybe they go to Fire Island every weekend. They're just obsessed with Fire Island. They're obsessed with P-Town. You know, it's these, I always, it's this very specific brand of person who gets obsessed with the spot that you're, you're just supposed to vacation at, and then just becomes, you know, like, uh, like people who kind of live on cruises. I just find that so um, interesting, um, it, it, where it becomes like a lifestyle for them. But uh, have you ever have you ever been to P Town? Have you ever been there? Have well, you ever been to ever a gay vacation yes, spot? Yes, of course. I, but I will say this: so a couple things. One, I always thought of P Town as like from like October to like April, like you could go with your family and get saltwater taffy or like homemade chocolate or a t-shirt or something. You know what I mean? Like the off season, yeah. or go on a whale watch or something like that. And then during the season. Um, not so much. And also it's just such a like horror show to get there with all the traffic. And like you said, it's not like the easiest place to get to having said that. Now my brother lived in P town for like 20 years. So I used to go visit him, um, a couple times a year. This was back when we were both drinking. So I would have hung out with Attila the Hun, you know, just to get like bombed <laughs> and stuff like that. So it was kind of weird for me because I would go. My brother would he he worked at you know restaurants and bars, and I would while he was working, I would go in and hang out, or I would go with him, and he'd introduce me to everyone. And I will say one of the benefits was for several years that there were straight women in P Town that were there working. And there weren't a ton of straight guys. Oh, you must so, have been like uh, oh. shooting fish in a barrel. I can't imagine. Oh, it was the, like, yeah, it was like yeah. I was like the guy coming out of like the bullpen at the end of the baseball game. It was like there was like, the, <laughs> and my brother would introduce me to all these girls. So that was kind of nice. So, but I, yeah, I went there for a number of years. I would go see my brother, and he was living with this guy who had a place there. So, but I just think it's weird. Yeah, people going in season. The only thing I do like about it, though, is. It it gives a family a chance to expose their kids to something they might not see otherwise, you know, because okay, obviously gonna, there's a lot of ex, a lot of extravagance yeah. going on. 
I'm going to give, I'm going to make an argument that might get me in trouble to any of the gays who are listening. If you want to expose your children to gay people, I would not recommend starting with P-Town. Um, <laughs> I, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what happened. So me and my friend were on the streets of P-Town and my friend is, uh, you know, just being gay. Um, were you, were you wearing about, a tank top? I have to check. I was not. I was not okay. wearing a tank All top. All right, no. just um, I was, yeah, I was, I was like an old Navy gay, but um, we're walking the streets of P-Town and he starts talking about, you know, like sexual things, whatever. And I see this family with these two kids couldn't have been more than like six or seven years old coming towards us. And I just kind of instinctively was like, Hey, 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 knock it off, knock it off. And he looked at me and he was like, no, I'm not going to knock it off. Like this, <laughs> this is what this is for. Like they're the ones who are visitors you know, like in this space, like I don't have to watch myself like they if they don't want their kids hearing about what I'm talking about, then like that's, you know, that's they got to figure that out. But like, I'm not censoring myself here. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of true. But I also put myself in the position of that family where I was like, OK, but yeah, I'm sure they don't want to get in the car. And the kid's like, you know, daddy, what's you know, what's 69? You know, it, it's like I, I like so I was like, it's very tricky. I'm like, I just wish you weren't here. I don't, you know, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to sound alienating, but I'm just like, I just, I just wish you weren't here because like, I don't think, you know, if you don't want your kids hearing this stuff, I don't blame you, but my friend is right. Like, this is what this is for, you know? I guess the question is, so like, it's okay if the kids witness like two guys making out, but if they get back in the car and they Google the word fisting, then it's a problem. Yeah. Oh God. Well, you went there. Um. No, like, cause here's the thing, right? Like, if you see like there's a cute way to explain two guys and most kids don't even i mean i think nowadays people if they see two guys kissing a kid or whatever they think nothing of it um because everybody's got a gay uncle a gay kid, whatever but i do think there's like you know there's some things you'll overhear and things you'll see that like i just don't know if i'd want maybe i'm being too heteronormative about it but like i don't know if i want to have to explain to my five-year-old what was being screamed from one side of the street to the other you know by the guy wearing a piggy tank top like it just doesn't it doesn't seem like something i'd want to do again when there are so many other places you could go and get that experience you know i i i'm gonna have to completely agree with you on this one it is a little bit like i i would not take my sons there but i would you know i would definitely give them you know they're but both your teenagers. kids are a little older yeah your kids are older like if i saw teenagers i think you know teenagers know more about fisting than i do um but uh just like it was like like there were people with small like very small children and i'm not talking about like middle of the day like i'm talking like at night in p-town on the streets um and it was just very it was very strange to me it was really strange i think sometimes people have a very limited idea of places they can go like on a little day trip or whatever. So if you're in mass, you're like, oh, let's go to Provincetown. You know what I mean? Like there's just always things that pop into people's heads. And uh, and I think that's just one of those places that's just, it's basically so touristy. You know, going there in the off season on occasion to visit my brother, it was like a freaking ghost town. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. there's nothing going on. So it's one of those places that at least you go, you know, you know you'll see something kind of fun. Uh, Although, but yeah, I, you know, this this might interest you. I've heard from I was I talked to someone who lived there, uh, who lives there year round, who was telling me that especially with COVID, they think that it's going to become kind of more of a year round place, especially because as all of us in New England know, thank you, global warming. We don't really get winter anymore. 
so like the idea that like well you know the only what time you go to to p-town is you know memorial day through labor day because that's the summer it's like okay well why though it, it's 90 degrees in september these these days you know why not why why kind of limit it that way so i they were saying that they think it's might end up becoming more of a year-round you know go for a weekend down there in march or whatever well, that's, I mean, I'm glad to know that then I'm going to bring small kids there and like, doesn't matter if it's January yeah, or take August, them. January, you know, February, when they're talking it's... about rimming, you'll be ready to go. You'll be like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh or you, know, you could do what my mother did. My mother told me when I was little, I heard the word lesbian and my mother told me the lesbian, she said, look me dead in the eye, said a lesbian is a sailboat. <laughs> she, and I went, oh. And then I, for years, I think I was 13 before I learned what an actual, what a lesbian really was. Have you but asked my mom her, would just have, do that. Have you asked her subsequently what that what she was trying to do? Or you she, know what her, she was trying to do, her, but her whole approach to child rearing in terms of children hearing things they shouldn't hear was to just lie and tell them that the that whatever they asked about is something so boring that they'll never ask about it again. So I can't even tell you the different things that my mother told me were, were something else. Anything sexual I ever, I think I asked my mom what artificial insemination was once. <laughs> I was like, what's artificial insemination? You know why? Because my mom let me watch all these movies that on the surface seemed like movies you could let a kid watch. Like, look who's talking. Remember, look with the baby, with the talking baby? Yeah. Okay, not a kid's movie, not at all. But you can see how a parent would think that a movie with a talking baby would be appropriate for like a seven-year-old, not appropriate. So in the movie, Kirstie Alley has a joke where, or, or no, John Travolta says to her, what'd you get, artificially inseminated? So of course I went to my mother and I said, mom, what's what's artificial insemination? And she said, um, that's, uh, it's a cooking term. <laughs> and, the, and she just, you know, but I mean, it, it kind of worked. Like if the, if the goal is to never have the child bring it up ever again, um, then like it, it kind of works. You know, she knew we didn't, we were poor. We didn't own a sailboat. I was never going to see a boat. So it's not like she was going to take me down to the docks and I was going to be like, Oh, look at all these lesbians, you know, like I, I will so it's say fine. It solved the problem. Reflecting on what I know of her body of work. I got to go with the artificial insemination is a cooking term it's and cooking uh, term. some of her best work. I got to say, even though I don't oh, know yeah. her. But my mother, like, she didn't flinch. Like, if, if you're thinking maybe there was a moment where, like, I asked the question and she got a little sweaty and then, like, came up with that. Like, no, no, no. She, My mother, right away. Right away. I say right bravo was... to your mom. Bravo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's so I want to talk it. about, speaking of bravo, so, and Saturday, which is usually just kind of open topic, free for all. I want to just talk, you can talk about whatever you want to, but I, I want to talk about people sharing these motivational quotes over pictures of celebrities. And these aren't like, uh, you know, a picture of Martin Luther King saying like, you know, I have a dream. It's like a picture of like Morgan Freeman. We could talk about who are the most popular celebrities to have a, a motivational quote over their picture and they likely never said it so i saw one today it was will smith and in text it said the first step is you have to say you can and there's no way on god's green earth that will smith ever said that so so my list of celebrities who are often so morgan freeman is a big one keanu reeves robin williams who i think you mentioned to me and the rock those are like kind of off the top of my head are kind of like the Mount Rushmore of like motivational quotes ascribed to a celebrity who clearly never said them. So firstly, who the hell is creating these things and why? 
Well, if you look, and I also said Jim Carrey. Now, funnily enough, Jim, Jim Carrey has said one or two quotes that are, you know, motivational. I think there's a special way you go about doing it where you, um, it's kind of genius if you think about it, because by making up a quote, and attaching it to a celebrity, you're guaranteeing that that doesn't already exist. You know what I mean? Like, you're guaranteeing that someone isn't going to look at it and go, oh, well, I already saw that. You know, you're guaranteeing they're going to look at it and go, oh, I didn't know he said that. Let me share. So it's kind of smart in a way. It's kind of like how, um, you know, one day, I won't say why, but one day I was Googling, you know, how do you get a fake doctor's note? Um, <laughs> how you, like, old, how old were you note? when you were Googling that? Uh, uh, five weeks ago. Um, like, how do you get a fake doctor's <laughs> note? Uh, and they were talking about how, like, you know, the smartest thing to do is to just, like, make up a doctor because then you're not really, like, you get in trouble if you say that, a do- if, you pre- if you forge a doctor's signature or say that the doctor said something they didn't say. But if you just make up a fake doctor, you know, Dr. Smith, well, there's definitely a Dr. Smith. You know, you didn't say which Dr. Smith, but there's definitely a Dr. Smith. You know, it's just not that one. So I think that's kind of what it is. I think it's about like just I I only find it strange um, because to me, it's like, what do you OK? So you make this thing, you send it out onto the Internet. Millions of people share it. It's wrong. It's not right. What do you then get out of it? You that's know, what I like, don't what, get. I'm, I'm always like, I always I always feel like there's some ulterior motive at the bottom of everything, whether it's like dragging someone into something where you can get their information or I don't know, maybe it's just like a sucker test to see if someone's a sucker. I I have no idea. I cannot figure out why adding like a motivational quote to a picture of Sam Elliott is going (laughs) to do anything. Like someone took the time to do that. And I just, I want to find the guy, like what's he doing? Yeah. Like trace it back. It's interesting because um, I, I find it interesting because I also think that part of the point is that you have to pick select you have to pick a certain kind of celebrity. I think the reason like maybe like the Jim Carrey ones work so well is because like there's an impression that like oh, you know, Jim Carrey actually said something, you know, wise, ooh, cuz he's kind of a goofball. Um obviously Robin Williams, it's like people love Robin Williams, people love Morgan Freeman. Like I don't think it would work if you pick Kid Rock. You know, like follow your <laughs> dreams. Uh, you know, you you can climb any mountain, Kid Rock. Um, so I do think it's interesting <laughs> in in that way. Do you think you you could corner the market on the Kid Rock motivational quotes? I'm gonna, you know, after we get off the phone, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna make, you know, um, don't take your kids to P Town, Kid Rock, and just share it and <laughs> see. Um, Kid Rock would be like, I don't give a fuck if you go to P Town. I, I, I'm a, you know what though? So what about people that are like the redneck fans of Kid Rock um, that, that love them and you put up a motivation? Yeah, but see, quote. they would be the first ones to know that something was up because they know him. They'd be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, but I, I don't know. They, they, I think people think that he's like, don't they think that he's just like a real American? I don't know what they think. You know, I'm I'm ashamed that he, again he's another one like Smash Mouth. He kind of became popular when I was younger, and like oof, the shame. I will never forget the VMAs. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that's why everybody was criticized it, like saying they sucked. Like the VMA where they had it at the Metropolitan Opera, and they opened it with the the giant choir singing "Ba with the Ba." 
you know, like, like I, I, and I remember, and I remember being like 14 and being like, this is so cool. Oh like, just God. like freaking out. And I look back, I'm like, oh my God, Jesus. So how do you feel about a white artist dragging a black choir on stage to sing back up on like one song? I mean, I think a lot of them were, it was a mix. Um, it was a mix. That being said, um, it, just the whole thing was ridiculous, you know. It was not just for that, that, but in general, because that's obviously, oh, thing, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like it's, you can inject some soul into it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Bawa de Ba qualifies as. <laughs> I remember, I remember somebody saying like it was kind of rap. If what if the hell it was, song if, is that? You know, it's the Bawa de Ba, the bang, the bang, diggy, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Up. yeah, that's, that's Kid song. Rock, right? That's Kid Rock. That was his is big that, hit. Is that the name of the song? Yeah, B A W I T. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah. And, and yeah, he had a, a church choir on stage with him at the. He had like opera house. He had like an operatic choir. Um, that I remember that year. That was a great. Okay, well, I don't know if it was a great year, but it was Chris Rock hosted. Um, it was a really cool. Like I remember that was a cool. <laughs> you know, my, music when I was a teenager. Not to age myself, but we were the Las Vegas years. Like, there's a reason that every artist that was popular when I was a kid ended up with a Las Vegas residency because, like, we were like the Flash, Panache, and Spectacle years. You know, everything was about like performance and theatricality, and you know. So I mean, I. I miss everything was about trying too hard, being too much, doing too much. It was great. That does it for this episode of Every Damn Day. Like, subscribe, follow us, and we'll be back with you again next week as we discuss Every Damn Day.